Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we are continuing our discussion on know what you believe. Know what you believe. As Christians, all of us should know the major essentials of the faith. These are the teachings that bind us all together. Teachings about God, his nature, the prerequisite for salvation, uh, Jesus the Christ, uh, his function, his atonement, his uh, sufficiency, his ontology, meaning his makeup. Uh, is he divine or is he a less, lesser God than the Father? Um, the span of salvation is just, just for some people or is it for all people? Um, the Bible and whether or not the Bible is authentic. Do we have what they wrote? Uh, they being the apostles. Uh, of course, the author is God. We learn in the scriptures that all scripture is God breathed. So God is the author. He used men to write down his will for humanity. So as it relates to the major essentials, we have to know what they are. We have to know what they are. We, and, and we have to be able to articulate it in a way that's consistent with Scripture, not based on what we think, not based on what we feel, but based on the authentic Word of God. What do the Scriptures say about God? Um, how does the Bible describe God in terms of his beingness? Um, what are his ways? You know, we, we learn from Scripture that his ways are not our ways. What does that mean? Uh, We're talking about basic things that we ought to know, that all Christians ought to know. This is what makes us brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's not up for debate. Uh, It's not up for us to pick and choose which part we like. Uh, There are secondary issues where God gives us more liberty, but when it comes to the major essentials, there has to be unity. And um, these are teachings that bind us together. As it relates to salvation, and we're going to deal with that in the next few episodes. But as it relates to salvation, um, all Christians must stand on the fact that there's no other way to the Father but through the Son of Man, but through Jesus. Um, and that shouldn't be debatable. And anyone who professes to be a Christian that argues with that really ought to study the Scriptures because it's clear that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Uh, it's exclusive. In its nature. So the gospel is exclusive. Um, it tells us how to get to know the Father. And Jesus is the key to knowing the will of the Father. Jesus is the only way, not one of the ways. And I know what some uh, people teach. They teach pluralism, they teach polytheism, but salvation is exclusive. It is the only way if we want to know the Father. And Jesus Christ is the key. So let's remember that. Uh, on our previous episode, 
we gave some arguments for why we believe that God is authentic. And we're not, uh, I don't want us to think that just because somebody used the term God, we're talking about the same God. Um, it's not enough just to say we believe in God. Scripture reminds us that even the devil believes, but the devil, of course, is not saved and won't be saved. Uh, so just because someone believes in God, that's a form of deism. Deism believes that there is a God, a God who created everything, but yet uh, he's left us to run our own lives. And, and um, that's not what scripture teaches. God is intimately involved in the lives of men. He's involved in your life. He's involved in my life. So we don't want to teach deism. So here we are. How do we know that God exists? And as I stated on a a previous episode, our answers are not to win debates. We're not trying to win arguments for the sake of winning arguments. We're not trying to win arguments to keep score. We're not trying to win arguments uh, to uh, put another notch on our belt. That's not what arguing is about in a philosophical sense. When we use the term argue, we're not talking about necessarily in a courtroom, but in a sense of us giving reasons for why we believe what we believe, you can say that we're arguing for our belief. So that's what I'm talking about. Uh, the everyday lifestyle apologetics, where we're given a reason for the hope that lies within us. And of course, we're doing it how? With gentleness and respect. So the first thing we talked about last week was we believe in God because of the Bible. The existence of the Bible is proof that God exists. That's my argument number one. The existence of the Bible is proof that God exists. When you read the Bible, you can uh, tell that it wasn't written by humanity. Um, Some of the false claims that skeptics use against Christians is that the the apostles uh, generated the Bible. The the apostles wanted a following, and as a result, they wrote uh, the Bible uh, to gain this following. And the argument against that notion is why would if if the if we say the apostles wrote the bible or created or composed the bible if they were the authors of the bible why would they leave in the bible embarrassing claims about themselves look at peter right if peter uh wrote the bible and it wasn't god breathed why would Peter leave those embarrassing details in the Bible when, when uh, he denied Christ, uh, when Jesus said he would deny Christ? That's embarrassing. If he did write it, why would he uh, leave that in there? And if another apostle was writing it and Peter read it, I'm sure Peter would have said, you know what? I, pr- I prefer for you not to put that in, in, in your gospel. And then when we look at uh, the disciples turning their back on Jesus, why would they leave that in there if that wasn't true? That's an embarrassing detail. Why would they leave in the gospels that they turned their back on their master? Why would they leave that in there? And then when Jesus would put them in their place um, because of their embarrassing questions, why would they leave that in there? 
right? That's, that's not something that we would put or leave inside of our, um, our writings if it was all fabricated. So I would say the Bible, the existence of the Bible, is a demonstration that God loves us and uh, God desires a relationship with us because that's the tenor of the Bible. The Bible is reminding us that God loves us and God wants a relationship with us. So we, when we talk to these skeptics, um, we need to be uh, abreast and cognizant of what we know to be true, that the Bible comes from God and the Bible is impeachable. The Bible is impeachable. When you compare the Bible to other ancient manuscripts, the Bible meets all the standards as well as in many cases go above the standards. The Old Testament is credible. The New Testament is credible. So I would say that's my argument number one. My argument number two, um, I look at nature and especially um, things like plants. You know, how plants uh, take in carbon dioxide um, when they are uh, hit with with the uh, sun rays. Uh, they have their own photosynthesis and then they give out oxygen and we need oxygen uh, to breathe. So God uh, handiwork is all in nature. Uh, when we read Romans chapter one, uh, where Paul uh, tells us that God is letting us know that he exists by the mere fact of the creation of nature. When you look at nature, when you look at the precision of, uh, uh, precision of nature, when you look at its complexity, when you look at how everything fits in its proper order, it's not by coincidence. We, weren't, we didn't come from a primordial soup, as a lot of evolutionists argue, but yet we come from God's handiwork. God, God's, we are made in God's image. And so when we look at nature, if you're being objective, if you're being fair, you would have to ask yourself, how did we get here? How, how did all of this beauty get here? How did all of this complexity get here? When, when, when we look at uh, how every plant has a purpose and how every plant uh, replenishes itself and how every plant uh, is, is created in a way not just for themselves to also, but also to sustain the lives of humanity. Just think about it. It, is, it, it should cause you to ask, where did we come from? How did we get here? And who is this transcendent referee? Who is this transcendent creator? Who is this intelligent designer? So that's uh, uh, argument number two, part A. Argument number two, part B, is not just a plant, but I think about uh, William Paley's uh, watchmaker example. And uh, William Paley was a, a Christian who lived in the 1800s. And he wanted people to know that we were created by God. We didn't get here accidentally. And he said, imagine, if you would, you're walking by and you came across a watch. And in his day, uh, the, the watches were uh, made to function through gears and, and, and the mechanics that would cause the watch to be made. And when you look at the old-fashioned watches, it's filled with a lot of gears and it's basically a machine. And so he said, imagine you just walk in, you come across this watch. 
You can see the clock. You can see the gears. You can see the face plates. You can see the screws. And after looking at the, the, the fine tuning of this uh, machinery that we call a watch, you look at the details. You're left with a decision. Did this watch just compose itself without any outside engineer, without any uh, creator? This watch just created itself. He said, how ludicrous would that be? Obviously, according to William Paley, when you see a watch on the road and you look at its complexity and you look at its specificity, you can't say to yourself, if you're in your right mind, this watch created itself or this watch just popped up here accidentally or these gears uh, automatically put themselves together to create a watch. He said, in the same way, nature is even more complex than a watch. Nature is even more specific than a watch. So if we look at nature, it tells us, it's an invitation to us to ask the question, how did we get here? Why are we here? And we seek those answers, not from each other, but from the transcendent referee, but from the intelligent designer who happens to be God. That is the layman term or synopsis of William Paley's watchmaker argument. So that's B. Then C, for the argument for God. Um, I actually have a friend. He's a nephrologist uh, and uh, Nephrologists are people who take care of the human kidneys. And I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, so I apologize to him. But I asked him about uh, how God ha- uh, can be seen in his profession or what, what would he give me as an example of the, one of the biggest arguments for why he believed in God. Now, remember, he's a doctor. He's also, you can say he's a scientist, uh, and he studies kidneys. And he says the greatest thing that proves to him that God exists is found in our DNAs. He said uh, that our DNA has coding, which are actually programs inside uh, these molecules. So if you think about programming, just like your computer, it's almost like um, how your computer's programmed to function a certain way. Your, uh, it, there's programming in there to show a blue screen, a red screen, a yellow screen. And inside of our DNAs, there's coding. So the question is, if there, there's coding inside the DNA, who put the program in there? And we argue it's God. So the more scientific advancement we achieve, we realize that God's fingerprint is all over it. God is the one that placed the coding in the DNA. He is the one. And uh, moreover, um, I talked about this during one of my presentations on Know What You Believe. We talked about uh, the, the, the number of coding uh, that's been found in, the, in the, our DNA. And, and the DNA it actually tells your body uh, what color you're going to be. It tells your body uh, what shape your nose will be. It tells your body what uh, color your eyes will be. So who put that programming in the DNA for it to function the way that it functioned? And there's a lot more that we could talk about, but 
uh, just for this episode, considered what we talked about. We find evidence for God in our plants and trees. We find evidence for God in nature, uh, specifically uh, in our DNA. Um, and then, you know, we find uh, evidence, for, uh, evidence for God, of course, in our biology. And then we look at morality. And to me, that's another argument for God, morality. Um, imagine if you would, you have an argument with someone and both parties seem to have a valid point. So how do we settle this argument? Um, if you say there's no God and someone else said there is a God, uh, I would argue that there has to be a transcendent referee because if it's just human versus human, then we don't have a leg to stand on in terms of truth. But we do have a God who serves as a transcendent referee. So God, is, uh, his words are the standard. So when we make a truth claim, we can always go back to the scripture and see, and see whether or not what we're saying is valid, if what we're saying matches up with the authentic word of God. So morality, to me, is an argument for the presence of God. The, the ability to find God's truth globally it's an evidence that God exists. It is very um, amazing to me that uh, God's four laws of logic are found universally. The law of identity. Uh, we see God saying, I am uh, the God of Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, and beside me there's no other. That's the law of identity. God is singing, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the reason why we find this motif numerous times in Scripture where God identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is God is saying, I am, I am the authentic God, the God that created the heavens, the God who introduced himself to Israel, and the God who keeps things running versus these demigods, these gods uh, with a small g, these gods that humans have made with your hands. I am not that God. I am the authentic God. So what God is saying is, I am the essence of the law of identity. It came out of my nature. I created it. So when, uh, when you say this is mine, you are agreeing with the law of identity. When you say this is my car, this is my wife, this is my husband, this is my child. You're saying you believe in the law of identity. Why is this, imp this important? Because the law of identity matters to God. God doesn't want us to give our worship to no one else. So this is why he says, I am the Lord thy God, and I am a jealous God, and my glory would I share with no one. That's very important. So uh, the law of identity is important to God. And, and when we talk about morality, we're saying that God exists. And the reason why this is true and this is not true is because God has already defined it. Reason why we know that uh, um, uh, being showing fidelity to your spouse is good and not bad is because God has already set the parameters. Reason why lying is wrong is because God has already set the parameters. The reason why adultery is wrong is because God has already set the parameters. Reason why bestiality is wrong is because God has already set 
the uh, parameters. The, the reason why being equitable, being fair is good is because God has already set the parameters. The reason why being faithful is good is because God has already set the parameters. The reason why living holy is good is because God has already set the parameters. So I, I hope that makes sense. There w- we wouldn't know what was right and what was wrong if God hadn't deposited in, in, uh, on earth the, uh, uh, the truthful virtues that we need to live by. And even if we're not saved, God gives us a level of consciousness. Uh, some call it uh, 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 natural ethics, where God gives us a portion of knowledge to live by. But we really don't become complete until we accept Jesus Christ in terms of full knowledge. So keep that in mind. So morality comes from God. He's the one that has shown us what's right and what's not right, what's good and what's not good. So all morality comes from God. When we talk about morality, we're assuming we're talking about the good virtues. Uh, It all comes from God. So the law of identity uh, 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 is on full display, and it shows us, uh, how loving God is. And by the way, for those of you that are listening, if you would like uh, to a chance to win our free gift, uh, we ask that you email this word to info at srministries.org, info at srministries.org, info at srministries.org. And the key word for this week is triune, T-R-I-U-N-E. T-R-I-U-N-E, and uh, triune deals with uh, the Godhead and God's triune nature. So um, email us those, uh, those words, I mean that word, and we will be sure and certain to get that to you as um, soon as we get it. So morality argues and explains who God is. So when we talk about the existence of God, Let me just make sure that we fully understand. We talked about how nature speaks on behalf of God. We talked about the complexities and uh, uh, specificity of things like nature that's found in nature, mountains and and oceans and things like that. And even uh, our DNAs are an example of, of God creating us and we coming from an intelligent designer. Well, our time has come to a close. Uh, we will continue this topic on Know What You Believe in our next episodes. And before we close, I just wanted to remind everyone, our uh, Christian Students Apologetics Boot Camp is coming up. Uh, go to uh, www.abcsac.org, and you can register yourself as well as your Christian students. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing everyone Uh, especially post uh, as we get into the uh, tail end of this pandemic. Uh, We encourage you to sign up. Uh, You won't be, um, you you, you won't be disappointed. So again, that's the Christian students apologetics as well as adults. We have tracks for adults. If you go to www.abcsac.org, you can sign up and uh, join us on that date, Saturday, April 30th. Again, we're looking forward to seeing you. Uh, We'll learn more about God and how God has given us uh, science, and he's showing us how to articulate uh, his existence to other people. 
So again, thank you for listening to Sound Reasoning. We, we are so grateful for all of you. Remember to continue to give to support this ministry and to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcasts. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.